0: I posed as a meter reader. I put a bug on the tall kid's mom's place. For three hours straight, all they talked about was something called Babylon 5. Hey, it's Mike. You're listening to Intergalactic, the podcast about the greatest sci-fi movies and TV of all time. And it's Babylon 5 time. This is another episode of our series called Essential. Babylon Five, where we talk about an old TV show called Babylon Five. This week we're gonna dive into what a Babylon Five reboot could potentially look like and just chat about the future of the franchise, chat about whether or not we want more new Babylon Five, why we love Babylon Five. Here to help me do that are Paul Satachit from the Star Trek Discovery Pod. Howdy, Paul.
1: Howdy, Mike. How you doing? I'm good.
0: And we also have, uh, from the Gray 17 podcast, Kevin Whaley. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Guys, thanks for joining tonight. Um, we're just going to have a fun conversation about Babylon 5 and maybe toss around some ideas about a, a reboot or a reimagining and talk about where JMS wants to go with bringing back this great show. Um, oh, and by the way, on this on this podcast, we refer to JMS as Big Joe. He's big Joe, big Joe. Yo. Big yo. Yeah. Okay. All right. First question, guys. Uh, what the hell are you doing on a Babylon five podcast? Paul, let me ask you first, because I love your work on the Star Trek pod, but I had no idea you were a B five fan until we started emailing and I mentioned it and I was like, oh shit, Paul likes B five. I like B five. I'm going to get Paul on my podcast. So tell me how you got into B five. Uh, what does your fandom look like now in 2024?
1: See, uh, B5, if I remember correctly, was in the 90s on UPM, you know, Mm. Paramount Network. And it was uh, Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5, both taking place on a station. And uh, I always remembered it as one with the goofy special effects, because it did not have the budget that uh, Deep Space Nine had. And to be truthful, I did not watch it till season two. You know, I, I didn't I didn't watch it until Sheridan came back, and then I rewatched the uh, after season two. I rewatched season one, and I go like, oh, you know, because the the VFX are so rudimentary compared to Star Trek, like they really had to rely on the storytelling. And I felt like the storytelling was just more interesting, and you could see that it was leaning into that long arc thing where it was. Series series wise, as opposed, it's almost serialized. It's not quite. Ser- it's a hybrid, basically, but like whereas Star Trek almost always is uh, episodic, and that type of serialized storytelling was, I wouldn't say unique, you know, but like it was unique on network. Like you could see it on HBO, perhaps, and to have a like a basically a, a space opera on on television was crazy. So like when i realized that that what it was becoming i i just like bit I, I was i was in it
0: and what about now in 2024 do you still love the series how do you uh like, do you still watch it do you engage with fans
1: uh i do not engage with fans because i really didn't know that that there were that many people who were into it like yeah, interestingly enough my neighbor was one of the writers on uh, on Babylon 5 until uh what they, yeah uh larry d'tillo uh, Larry
0: D'Amato's your neighbor.
1: He was. He died like a, you know, like a five years. No, hey, oh, hey, did he? Go. I didn't know that. But but he. But well, I used to play board games with him. Uh, wow. So, uh, but yeah, he he wrote what was it? Groups is that the one? The one with the the Marines season one or two? I can't remember. Do oh, you guys remember
0: Gropos, Gropos or Group? Yeah, yeah.
1: There they go. That that that's it.
0: Gropos. Yeah. Uh.
1: So yeah. So I'd watch whatever would come out with you know like Call of Arms and you know and. And the ranger, the the one episode
2: of
1: (laughs) Legend of the Rangers. Exactly. And I'd always hope that uh, there'd be more content. And here I am. You know, I I did, I did during the pandemic, I did convince my wife to start watching it with me. So that was very interesting to like evangelize that way. And she liked it. You know, she she wasn't in love with it the same way way I was. But like, I, I imagine in the 90s, it was a little different.
0: Paul, I know earlier a few hours ago, you and I got on the call and we mm-hmm. talked about for some professional reasons, maybe me moving to LA sometime mm-hmm. later this year, potentially. Sure. And now that you told me that you were neighbors out there with Larry DeTillo, I'm like, Man, I gotta go to LA. I, like I who will I meet? It, like, who, who will I play board games with or, in my or life? like
1: uh, like this move next to you, right? Like uh he used to write E yeah. Man too. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. Right. So, That's <laughs> wild. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Uh
0: Kevin. I obviously am a big fan of what you do on Grey 17. Um uh, but tell me and the listeners about your B5 origins and what your fandom looks like today.
2: I did not watch Babylon 5 in the 90s. And, oh, and that is a little different than maybe you guys and and certainly uh you know Blake and uh Scott on on my series. That's uh, cool because I just started watching
0: it last year and okay. I am obsessed. So I understand. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I, I've been friends with Blake for a couple of decades now. And so, um, you know, he lent me his DVDs. Um, and so I watched it in college, you know, somewhere around the 2002, 2003 area and really liked it. Once I was able to, to get into it, I, I found the first season a little harder to, to grasp. Um, but I, I stuck with it and, and once season two hit, I, I was really interested, and I was already a big fan of Bruce Boxleitner, so it wasn't hard for me to get into it. But I remember seeing the commercials when I would watch, um, you know, Voyager and uh, Time Tracks and all the other stuff that was, you know, Pten slash UPN uh, shows. And I had, you know, somebody else that I was familiar with that was really into the series, but... Um, you know, I was so deep into the Star Trek primarily and Star Star Wars to a certain extent fandoms that I really didn't get into it. But uh, I watched, you know, did the full watch in, in college. And then, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I picked up the DVDs for myself, watched it again, uh, liked it. And now having watched and talked about you know, four fifths of the series at this point through Gray 17, um, you know, I have even more of a appreciation for the series and how timely, um, you know, some of the writing has turned out to be given, uh, you know, world events. Um, It's amazing how Big Joe uh, has, uh, you know, found the notes of, uh, you know, writing that are really, you know, timeless and some of his writing is just it's very unique because um you know no other sci-fi show um at up until that point was doing the big story arc and no other stories were were doing the the hard-hitting stuff you know where there wasn't you know a a happy wrap-up um what's the 90s um show about kids i can't think of it but uh, full house House. yeah you know tng's got that full house ending oftentimes at the end and babylon 5 just does not do that in the same way you don't you don't have the happy ending all the time that was unique the story arc was unique there was really nothing like it we've we've even said that the only thing that even ke- comes close to to babylon 5 up until that time was mash in some ways oh,
1: yeah um, sure i see it
2: because you know they they started doing some more you know incredible storytelling especially you know towards the end of the series and really you know that just had not been done before So JMS, um, big Joe, as you say, is really a trailblazer with that kind of thing. And, and I, I'm not going to say that he was copied by, by DS nine at all, but I think he plowed the way for DS nine to do the story arc storytelling that, you know, Iris Stephen bear, Michael Piller wanted to do. And once they told Berman to get lost, which, uh, good choice, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Although Braga is the one that uh I think was a bigger uh problem uh for the writing. But anyhow, um Babylon 5 is an incredible, incredible storytelling. And I'm really interested to see if if Joe is going to do a true you know continuation slash reboot with the the animation because I liked I liked Road Home. It, it wasn't perfect. Um, and I don't, I don't mind the animation style. That's fine. You know, maybe there isn't quite so, so good of a, the, the facial expressions don't come through always, or it's hard to tell one or two of the characters apart all the time. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought it was great to, you know, bring in some great voice actors to to recast the ones that we've lost. Um, a couple of, characters i would have liked to see but you can only do so much in about 75 minutes and i i really hope they're able to get some something off the ground but it seems like warner brothers is always going through terrible growing pains in some way shape or form that is always delaying stuff and they're going through another one right now with a possible you know paramount merger so we'll just have to see how that all shakes out but i'm glad that Um, Joe seems to be wanting to keep, uh, as he says, uh, Babylon five out of the line of fire. So you might as well just sit on the sidelines and hope that they're going to get through it pretty soon because, you know, writer strike and everything else has delayed it even further, but you don't want anything you do to, to permanently tank it. But the numbers that came back from road home are so good that they'd be crazy not to debuted top five so you know for dvd numbers so why in the world wouldn't you do another reboot or whatever you're going to do and take advantage of the great fandom that babylon five has yeah and road home sold physical units
0: it was uh, a minor hit on streaming but those dvds and those blu-rays really did sell uh when it came out last year which is great for uh a show that is a very specific genre show with a very specific fan base that hasn't released any new on-screen content for the past 17 years. Just The fan base was ready for it and hungry for it, and everybody turned up to watch it. And where we are with the Babylon 5 reboot or reimagining is kind of in a wait-and-see space. Um, JMS had said he's shopping around uh, Big Joe I, I violate my own rules sometimes. <laughs> Big Joe has uh lately on Twitter has been saying he's uh shopping around his um live action script for the uh reimagining of a live action Babylon five. And there are hopes that there will be more animated features in the style of the road home. Um Paul, did you did you get to watch um the Road I Home? Yeah. What did you think about it?
1: I, I thought it was not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I'm not, pretty not,
1: mixed on it myself. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I look at it as a in various uh, buckets. As a fan, mm-hmm. I go like, "Oh, this is fan service." It, it it does hit these things. It reminds me of certain things, but because of its time traveling nature, like I've seen a lot of this already. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, in live action, uh, and the alt alt reality parts seem or timeline part like don't seem so compelling to me that i that i go like oh this is a good service for what this is because you know i want more bad bad five stuff i mean whatever it comes out i will watch like you know i really was sad when crusades got canceled because i really mm. enjoy but you know i think it, it fails in the sense that like as a story you know like you're just watching a guy bounce around in a lot of different contexts that you don't uh especially if you're a new person you don't know who he is you don't see his gravitas because you haven't spent the five seasons with him and so you're like okay i'm just watching some animation and here's the earth exploding uh that's that's my take uh i i think that it does set up like the possibility of a like a A reimagining yeah Yeah, like i hope they don't reboot you know like i i hope I hope a live action, I'd be great if there was a live action and an animated run, much like the way that we have Star Trek right now. There's like a strange new world and there's lower decks. I, I, that, that would be really cool to have that aspect. I would hope that when they do, if, if God, you know, will in, like that they have a, a live action reimagined. I hope it'd be like, like Battlestar Galactica's reimagining. I would hate for them to just try to recopy just because Babylon 5 was amazing in the 90s. And I feel like its message was great in the '90s, and like you can see it in that space. Like my fear is that if you try to replicate that here, without like changing its paradigm, like it won't get the traction, and then it'll just die in season one. Like that—that—that'd be, that'd be my biggest fear.
0: Yeah,
1: It'd be very interesting to see Garibaldi different. You know, it would be interesting to see Sheridan different, but but have the essential core the same. Of like the message because I think Bab five message is is like one the best like you know we're greater than we are you know than we know and like we have a responsibility. That. I I always thought that was really good,
0: Kevin. In the sense of either an animated or a live action reboot or reimagining, what type of stories would you like to see a reboot or a re- reimagining tell, whether it's animated or live action?
2: Well, I don't mean to sound like a homer, but I'm. Of the opinion that JMS's writing is so so good in in the overall story arc sense, and the fact that he always hits some some great notes of some positivity, but also at the same time he's he's not afraid to uh, to do the tough stories. That I hope his writing. He has the freedom to do what he wants to do and he doesn't get interference from a studio. Hopefully, they respect his writing enough and that he's, you know, grown his career in- enough over the last 30 years that they're just going to say, okay, go for it. Let us know what you come up with instead of, well, we hope that you'll do this over that. Um, you know, Crusade, you know, whether you, you like it or dislike it, um, it definitely had some issues and those issues seem to come largely from the studio notes to the fact that, you know, it was pretty Mm -hmm. clear they were trying to tank the show. Um, But seasons one through four, especially when he was doing his overall story arc and not um, having to, you know, come up with something, you know, on the fly for season five, uh, largely, you know, he was able to do something that, really was unique and uh, exciting, you know, for our sci-fi fan base. Um, and I hope he has the freedom to do that.
0: I do too. I think the prospect of Big Joe writing and show running a new version a 5 a modern version, a live action version, maybe on a streamer or on cable, right? We don't want this on CBS, hopefully. Um <laughs> That prospect is really exciting because a lot of the thematic and narrative territory that he put on screen in the 90s was essentially somewhat groundbreaking, especially for the genre. And I'd like to see where Unleashed he'll go now in the present day, especially since we're, you know, essentially very much living with this sense of creeping fascism every. Waking day of our lives, just like the '90s episodes of B5 taught us, we would be.
1: Uh, it's a little <laughs> scary, <laughs> um, yeah, and and the special effects are, are so much different now. Like you know, like mm. uh, what was like groundbreaking then is nothing now, and what you know what is viable is is amazing. You know, and not that B5 ever relied on the visuals in that respect, but like I think you could do so much more now in a way that uh that it would do it justice like i, I feel like he kind of reminds me of uh big joe reminds me of like george miller like when he you know like he does like mad max or or fury road for example if you watch fury road it's it's like amazing but like there's a certain ahead of his time kind of aspect about him in his storytelling in how he sees narrative and i really I, I i agree with kevin like i really hope that uh he gets that like you know he was given, like, some amazing freedoms, like, in the 90s, though. Like, he, I, I, after, like, you know, episode, like, what, what, after season two, he kind of wrote everything himself effectively, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and, and you could tell, you could tell that, like, you know, that there was a cohesiveness about it in a way that, like, you might not have gotten, like, there, how should I say that? There's never been a time when I've watched post-season one where I go, oh, well, would that character really say that? Mhm. You know, everyone is so consistent, you know, and everything is so connected and and well thought out. So, you know, like he's a world-building visionary in that way, and I hope he gets to do it. Yeah, I would love to see Big Joe
0: get back into this and build the world again and build it anew because one of the great things about B5 and his stamp on it is that it had a voice. It was coming it was always coming from a specific voice with a specific passion, it wasn't product, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I hate about the the type of TV and entertainment I really don't watch, unless I really want to turn my brain off and fall asleep, is product. So that's why I'm really hoping we do get some kind of B5 reboot or reimagining off the ground. As Big Joe has said on Twitter, there are potential plans for the live-action reboot or reimagining and it seems maybe more likely that there would be a animated reboot, which would take place in the um in the universe where we left a younger Sheridan at the end yep. of the road home, where sure. it's essentially season one, Babylon Five, but it's like season one plus because you have characters that showed up in season two and onwards there interacting with each other, which is interesting and exciting and and makes the timeline different. so. Things can be can be very different, and different stories can be explored mm-hmm. in a, in an animated version. Um, but it might be kind of odd if I don't know it. It, it almost feels like Big Joe and B Five still has to prove itself to uh, the powers that be before it gets any type of big screen movie or streaming live action reboot. And it almost feels like they maybe have to produce another. Um, straight to DVD, straight to streaming, animated film. See how that does. And If it does okay, then maybe we'll move a little closer to an animated reboot. So I think we're kind of as fans, if this is something that we want, we're we're gonna have to be extremely patient, right? And it's kind of frustrating.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. Like you know, I I think one of the things that's really hard with Hollywood is that it's ageist, you mm. know uh and and you know big joe is a gray-haired old man and no matter how good you are like you know like you know if if the gatekeepers don't like your stuff don't understand your stuff which i would say could be in his case because it's so because he's so forward thinking like you know it, it require you'd require someone who would champion you,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like, i feel like he's done he's done a lot of stuff and i i go like who really knows him like you know like his fans. his fans know him but like he's not like a household name so but he's done amazing stuff
2: well and he's you know he's doing the captain america series in the comics now too mm-hmm. and i i i hope that that'll get him some notoriety but i'm willing to take gms at his word and say that I, I hope this has a lot more to do with the turmoil that's going on at Warner's mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he's trusted and well thought of. He should be. Um, and he, you know, he seems to not hurt for work. Um, you know, it mm-hmm. seems like he's, you know, always flipping into something else and uh, taking something over and, you know, reimagining mm-hmm. it and doing wonderfully with it. So I, I, I'm I'm really hoping that it has all to do with the turmoil at Warner's, which, you know, as I said before, it seems to always be going on. Um, it's it's a shame. You know, they're they've got such a, a large book of you know older shows under their purview, but uh, you know, new stuff can really be uh very hit or miss or delay, delay, delay. And, you know, it takes years for something to come down the pike, but I'm really hoping that, you know, maybe sometime the next year we'll hear something that is is in development. Um, We've gotten, you know, some good news about some other fandoms recently. They're saying that there's a new Stargate series in development now. So I think good things are coming for loyal fan bases. And I'm really hoping this is the next one that we'll get good news about.
0: I hope so too, um, Paul. You brought up some of JMS's, uh, Big Joe's other work. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen Sense Eight?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I love myself a good orgy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like for for what it was on Netflix, Sense Eight was you know kind of a minor hit, and it was a pretty celebrated collaboration between Big Joe and the Wachowskis. Yeah, I almost feel like. I haven't thought of this before, but thinking about Sense8, that was a celebrated collaboration that Big Joe had with the Wachowskis. I kind of feel it might be cool if the Wachowskis came on board a B5 reboot. How do you guys feel about that?
1: I am what I, at least for me, the way I would describe it is I am a Wachowski apologist. I will mm. always watch whatever the Wachowskis make, no matter how good or bad it is. You know, I I think, you know, like the Matrix, it's their get out of jail free card. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, like I I watched the the late Matrix four and I was like, oh, I think this is horrific. This is not what I want to see. I think the movie itself is saying this is going to be horrific. I'm sorry. They were going to do it anyway. And it's either with me or without me. And so I'm going, I'm doing it. But, you know, but in this way, like. I feel that Big Joe and the Wachowskis have a very similar outlook. Like you know, I think of B five and I look at uh, Cloud Atlas, mm. and they both have this like huge like scope of what uh, humanity is, and like you know, whereas like uh, Star Trek is is very blue sky, and they're you know, or as Kevin says, Full House. <laughs> the wachowskis and big joe do something that sci-fi strives to do but oftentimes comes short of and that is aspire like you know like like their stories are, are aspirational in some ways where you're not a person getting you know like a new job or, or like treasure or whatever but like humanity can be more kind of thing and i i've always appreciated that like you know like in, in b5 you, like human you know like. Get rid of the old old clutter, and now we we humans and everyone else we have to make our own futures. Like you know, the universe is huge and beautiful, and and we we have to grow up in some ways. Mm. It's you know, stop fascism. Well, that doesn't work out, but like <laughs> <laughs> F- that's, that's fighting
0: great. against it makes us better.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like like one of my favorite episodes is like uh mm-hmm. the deconstruction of falling stars, the rising stars. Like you know. Uh, just because I always love, like, a meta episode in that way, and that, the fact that, like, in 500 years, you know, Earth is Nazis again. <laughs> <it> is hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, but in but in the end, like, you know, I always feel like, like, I, I watch their shows, and, like, you know, especially when the stories conclude, and they go, like, oh, I feel good about being human.
0: Yeah. Kevin, what do you think about a potential uh, folding in of the Wachowskis? into the B five universe and are there any other genre or maybe outside of genre showrunners or writers that you feel would be a good match
2: for a new B five? Well, my first thought is only if they're true fans, I don't want them to have to play catch up, you know, and, you know, watch the series. Okay. Yeah, sure. I can write for this and not care about the fandom, not care about, you know, the overall uh story that they're telling. Um that was my biggest problem with Abrams doing Star Trek. It's like, you know, he made it clear he wasn't a fan. He di- he didn't grow up a-, a Star Trek fan and didn't care about the fandom, didn't care about what had come before. And that was my biggest problem with it, and that's not what I want to see with uh with B5. So if the Wachowskis are, are you know, into B5 and they're familiar with the fandom and the overall story arc, great. You know, if if JMS wants to work with them, do it. Um, but don't force it. You know, find the, the right writer or writers to work with and the right showrunner that's going to uh, respect the series enough to do uh, great storytelling that's going to be true to um you know what's come before and I, I don't mean just rehash what's come before but you know make make the style somewhat similar make the uh, the overall uh messages of the of the series be similar uh in the same vein um that's what i want to see i could talk at length about abram star trek but i won't <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I know you
0: are an active filmmaker and producer, and you've probably in your career have worked on a project where you bring in a fresh perspective or new blood into the project, and all of a sudden, maybe there's there's something fresh brought to the perspective, and the project is all the better for it. Maybe you've experienced that. Talk to me about the possibility of that. Is that something that, you know, Kevin's like, well, if they're, uh, if a new writer's going to come in to B5, I hope they're fans. But my perspective would be, I would love, you know, say if the Wachowskis came in, I would love if they were OG fans. But even if they weren't, I think some serendipity can happen with some great creators who have a fresh perspective into an old franchise. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So... Uh here's my uh hedging uh, my response. Uh so I have seen uh projects where adding new blood uh creates something fresh and new and better. Like for example, like none of the original people were were part of Balthar Galactica. It was mm. uh uh what's his name? Why don't uh R- more. more more that's right. R- more yeah. Yeah, and you know, and he had his he cut his teeth in Star Trek, uh, as far as doing sci-fi. And like I I read his, you know his, his uh Battlestar Galactica, you know, sh- show Bible. The Bible. Or, yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty it's out there online, you can find it. And, you know, it's it's clearly visionary as far not visionary as in like so far seeing, but like he knew what he wanted to make. I resisted watching Battlestar Galactic because I, I grew up watching the 70s version and it was goofy and it had the best, you know, theme song and, and, and you know, and the, the new theme song was just a bunch of, like, percussion and, like, yelling or, or and it's like, this, how can this be good? How can yeah. this be good? Uh, but, like, you know, you you give yourself over to it and then you go like, oh, I can see what this is and this, too, is worthy of what of my attention and you know and it does even though it's new it does do justice to um, what was old e- you know and and they're very different like you know totally they're very different uh and that is an example of a successful like here are, you know another great example is like uh, the director of uh star trek 2 rafa khan you know uh, i didn't like star mm. trek I just went through the I just went through the the episode. and I like, "Oh, I, I, uh, Ricardo Montalban, sure, let's do that. Let's bring him back." And it's, and right. it's the best. It's the best one, right? Yeah. So it can work. On the other hand, it can work. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I, I've seen. Uh, like you know. There's a there's a what you call it. There's a belief in Hollywood. I or I believe. Like you know, it's never said per se, but like, oh, let's get some new people in here who can add. You know, uh, a fresh perspective, and from that fresh perspective, we can uh, make product that uh, that is accessible for the here and now, and we'll get the old people to watch. Like, uh, and like for example, I I I know people who wrote on Star Trek Picard, and you know they I, I, they went to film school with me, and and I go like, huh, I didn't know they were a Star Trek fan, and like, I, I'm watching, you know. I guess they aren't. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, and, and so like, and you know, like, like, uh, and the the the, the latest uh, like uh, Sony movie, Madame Web. Like, you know, like I, you know, I, I have people who, who I know who've written on that movie, and the movie is, you know, and I don't want to be jumping on the bandwagon. It's atrocious. It's so atrocious that it's good to watch because you, mm. and, you know, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday uh, and she was going like, how how could it be so bad? And I go like, you know, it could be bad and you'd ignore it, but this is so bad that you're curious as to how it got to be so bad. right? <laughs> you, know, you know, because like, because I want to tell you this, like, no one goes out and wants to make a bad movie. No one does that. No one goes like, I'm going to make a bad movie you know uh also another adage that i really like in in hollywood is like any idiot can lose 10 million dollars it takes a real genius to lose 100 million dollars <laughs> 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 and so like you you, you watch this and you go like oh i can like i can see what i think it was supposed to be and it could have been a little more horrific and like a little more like you have this spider-man murderer like walking around and you go like, oh, I can see how this could be really scary. And you make it play, and it'll be real interesting that way. But then someone probably went and said, oh, uh, we can't build a franchise from this. And we need to make, we need to make $3 billion. So, how, so let's make it accessible. But we didn't shoot it that way. And then it just becomes this huge thing where it's this Frankenstein of trying to meet corporate needs and trying to be artistically viable. And it becomes nothing.
2: Sounds and, like DC movies.
1: Yeah. Like I feel bad for DCs for a while, uh, because they wanted to copy, you know, the uh-huh. cinematic universe aspect. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe really uh, you know, like I, I'm gonna overspeak, but like it really comes to heel and it comes to focus because it had like Kevin Feige and he's basically the showrunner for all of Marvel's stuff. And you could see his influence in all those things And he hired the right people to delegate his vision, as I understand it I, 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 I you know but like once once that focus was like just you know diffracted into various things, and you you had all that all that what all that uh other project that came in from Disney plus and all that stuff like you could see that you could see that the attention the quality control wasn't there and for what you call for for DC. It never had that. It had Snyder. You know, Snyder was was supposed to be the visionary, but he wasn't really, how should I say it the best way? He wasn't really the leader that uh Feige was. I don't think that he was ever put in that position. He was just like, here's what I would do as an artist, as opposed to Feige right. was, I'm gonna hire five directors uh, to do five different movies, and I'm gonna tell him how to shoot it, or like you know, or what it needs to be, and that and that you know, and and in some ways, for 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 Big Joe, my real hope is that he's learned to delegate mm-hmm. rather than have to write all the shows himself and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I I don't as much as I really respect his writing and like at what he did with B Five in the '90s, like that was like 30 years ago. You know, like you know, I would rather him mentor people, you know, into creating work and have a strong quality control that way rather than just do it himself. That's just my preference, you know. Uh, because like because what happens when he when he goes, then you don't then you lose that style of storytelling, you lose his genius. I think that's I, a I would, great
2: perspective. I it I don't with that. That was the biggest problem that Star Wars had is that You know, they should have put somebody like Abrams at the helm of it and really saw through the entire uh, trilogy with, you know, one person having having their hand in the whole thing instead of hiring, you know, the the most up and coming directors and have a very disjointed, you know, view of how the trilogy was going to go. Okay, well, do your own thing. We'll just pick up with it when you're done. Well that doesn't really work too well so then now you know they brought in a couple of guys who are overseeing everything with star wars and things things are going pretty darn well for them now um and they're not reaching too far either which is good at least not thus far um you know the the guys running running star wars you know since they took over are doing a phenomenal job who who are running star wars now Star Wars Rebels um, was made oh,
1: by Felony.
2: Floney. yep, and then Favreau, and then Favreau. So the two of them are really running running Star Wars almost completely now.
1: Yeah, mm. like there there was a power struggle in Disney. <laughs> mm. it, it, you know, it, it, like you know, feloni like cut his teeth uh, with a uh, Clone with, Wars. Clone Wars, that's right. Like, or mm. I. I I wouldn't say cut his teeth, but that that's where a lot of he, there's like, is it ten seasons of it or it, it's a lot of seasons? Eight, of it.
2: I think. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, and and so he like he has a real he has a real canon amongst in his brain as far as what mm-hmm. and yeah. basically the Mandalorian and all stuff like it's just an extension, live action Clone Wars, you know, kind of thing. And and Favreau has always been very good at like Favreau is sort of amazing, really. Mm -hmm. like like he yeah he he, he is, he's the person who like understands his fandom and knows how to translate it like you know with snyder uh like he really had a vision of what superman was going to be what the justice league was going to be but like for all of it it was a lot more niche like even in the comics like you know like then it was it was accessible Mm -hmm. whereas like for all of it, if I had to really reduce what Marvel was, you know, uh, in its in its first four phases or whatever, it was just action comedy. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it just had superhero aspects to it, but it's like you know, it's quips and explosions. And like, if you ask, like, what is you know, what is Batman? What was like Batman versus Superman? All, all sudden, they're definitely not action comedy. So, what genre is it? You know, it, it's grim dark. It's like almost like war movies, yeah. You know, in a in a way, and so like you you don't franchise war movies.
0: <laughs> they're, they're not a fun time. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, like um, I, I I enjoy them. Like I watch them, but I mm. watch them. You know, I don't watch them as a universe thing. I watch them as I'm going to evaluate this on its. You know, as right. one movie, but and it's my job to watch movies. So mm. anyway,
0: after you know, after reading Big Joe's biography a few months mm-hmm. ago, autobiography, I really hope that he has learned to delegate because mm-hmm. yeah. being everything to everyone on B5 in the 90s and writing like 99% of that show and being the showrunner um almost killed him uh yeah. decimated his health um really? he had no social life uh, destroyed his marriage it was awful i mean yeah, we no. get we get a very aligned beautiful vision
1: aligned with the those great white yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know, I I think that's a good word going forward for him. Like delegate, hire writers who are aligned with the core of what B5 right. is, with what the themes are, even if they aren't a hundred percent fully versed in the canon, right? Yeah. Be be aligned in in the vision, really, and yeah. bring something new to it while being aligned at that core vision that made
2: to show such a success
1: and
2: have a show that? Bible that's really mm. you know comprehensive and has a, a really clear vision and then, you know, turn it over to, to your trusted writers that can, that can take the ball and run with it. Um, mm. you know, like Paul, like you were saying about, uh, BSG, I'm yeah, he had a clear vision for it, but he didn't have to be in every story. Um like GMS was with with Babylon five in the nineties. Um I don't I don't think in his seventies is gonna be able to do that and you know anyway. nor, nor, nor should he. You know, it's
1: exactly
2: even if you're doing only, you know, ten ten season or excuse me, ten ten episodes a but, season instead of twenty two or twenty four, it's still gonna be a really tough thing to do. Um Yeah, I mean
1: like I, I can imagine what the show the the writer's room was like, you know, he he probably gave a lot of people here, here, here are your scripts, write the scripts. He probably read them and he goes like, this isn't what I want. Right. Uh, I might as well just write everything myself. Yeah. And, and he, and he couldn't not, he could probably, he was such a perfectionist that he could not let it slide as far as like, Oh, this is, this is not good enough. Uh, This is why I'm projecting this or or retrojecting. I suppose. I would Uh, guess you are
2: spot on Paul.
1: Yeah. But but like, like I said, I've always appreciated his genius. He is, he is a genius, you know, yeah. And yeah. so the, the question is is he so prideful that he can't let it go? I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, like if, if I came up with Babylon 5, would I trust anyone with my baby? I don't think so. Right. So like you know yeah. it's is it, it, is he I don't know. We're going to see.
0: Well, before we wrap, I think it's pretty clear that we're all nerds. So maybe we have some some casting we're recasting ideas for some of our favorite b5 characters uh guys give me one or two like dream well, you know, recasting. why don't
1: you start off mike give us one of yours and then we'll go off of that i like it
0: <laughs> because i haven't
2: thought of any <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing i'll say is that i i cannot picture anybody but peter jersek doing londo and mm. I really hope they can involve him um and that yeah maybe you know if they were to to recast Veer or something okay fine and you know maybe maybe Peter doesn't need to be in every episode but please don't please don't recast that part um it's yeah. so iconic I don't know how the fandom would react to that
0: I I that is a hard one to do I think I really find Peter Serafinowicz to be very versatile in terms of comedy and drama and he is not a huge name and every time he pops up in something he just slides right in there perfectly and he kind of blends into every genre that he works in I think he would if I think he would be an okay Londo um, so that's that's my call, that's my shot
2: One of my favorite characters on discovery is saru played by doug jones and I i really hope they can find something for him especially since discovery is wrapping this year um that they could find something really interesting for him to do on babylon 5 because um he has got to be one of the most underrated actors out there i mean he can do any part and it's phenomenal
1: yeah, no, I've worked with Doug. Doug's, Doug's great. I mean, mm. he, he he is he is, yeah. he is he is great.
0: He's just made a meal of Saru. That's my favorite character on on Discovery. For
1: he, 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 Saru has grown on me. Like you know, like first season, I was like, I don't know, man. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> but but he's he definitely he, he's probably he's a centering uh, force on Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, like for me, I want Garibald to be cast in. I don't know why I, I don't know who, but I, I I want someone I want like someone like House, mm. like like sure. like like, sure. Uh, like, like, I, like I I what I really don't want is for me this is just for me as as how I I see the series I don't want it to be the same I want mm-hmm. it to be like an evolution you know I want like for example and not go to BSG again uh, but like in BSG like you know. They made Star Trek uh, Starbuck a woman, and they gave Starbuck like you know all these different things that were not in the seventies version, and it made her made her a really rich character. You know they, they they add you know they added the president you know uh, to have a, like you know uh, a love affair with you know the admiral, not in the seventies version at all, but like so rich and then, like you know it. You know like here here are the, the the people leading you know all of humanity and and you know and they're they're having a love earth quarrel. that there's something yeah. there and so yeah, it, like, it
0: really it really dived into the the personal lives of all these characters and made them extremely rich and relatable and also made their actions on the on the wider scale of the show's plot more interesting because you knew where they were coming from personally when they were making these huge you know decisions that affected all of humanity
1: yeah, I, I imagine like it will be Game of Thronesy, like you know, in some ways, like you know, like like there is a certain politicking that can happen on B five because it's supposed to, mm-hmm. it's literally yeah, right. supposed to. Here's where like, and so, and in the original series, like it was very much like very ABC. Here's what happens, uh, and and that's good, it's good, but like it could be so much more. Like you could you could like basically, I'd like the world to be more uh, of a character than just like casting great actors, which you will have to do as well. But like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's 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 so rich. It's so so rich. Like you could do so much. It's just take you know, in, in Hollywood it's called like having the right take. Like you know, like just have the right take on it. And, and and like it would make my fanness very happy. But you know, what can you do? You can just hope. We are hoping I mean, I mean, apparently We're like waiting. you know like all all, all the first ones, they wait for millions of years for, for for stuff to happen. So, (laughs) so there you go. I I, I, (laughs) like me waiting for another five years or whatever, like whatever. Okay. We'll see.
0: Kevin, any last thoughts or hopes or dreams
2: about a, a B five reboot? Well, I was just thinking of what Paul was talking about with, with BSG. And there's got to be quite a bit of inspiration that Ronald Moore took from, from JMS. Um, You know, from Babylon five, you know, there's no perfect characters because as much as I love seventies BSG, it's full of perfect characters, um, you know, for the most part, other than, other than the original Starbuck. So having, having a new take on it is important. You don't want it to just be a rehash. And JMS has said that very clearly. I'm not just going to rehash it. He's like, if if you want to rehash, just watch the show again. Yep which is is is, you know a phenomenal take as far as i'm concerned but yeah yeah do something fresh but but have it be have it be grounded in not just you know the same races and the same ship designs but in the same themes that carry through because uh you know as we're seeing in the world now um his writing is absolutely timeless and that's both um fantastic and it's also kind of depressing, but above and beyond anything else, Babylon Five was hopeful. But it was hopeful in a different way than Star Trek is. We can come out better on the end if we if we work together and build something, you know. Whereas you know, Star Trek's all about well, we already built the good stuff, you know. That already exactly.
1: space communism. We got it
2: right We're done. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're good. Yeah. So um you know gr- ground it in in the B5 universe in not not just the same the same look but the same type of stories that that lead to you know a similar but yet interesting conclusion because um the the fan base is so loyal and they know the show backwards and forwards it's uh you know it's fantastic to on, go on lurkers and and see you know the breadth of information that's on there i mean the fandom cares so much about the property that if you find the right writers to to help you along the way that are that are fans i think it's going to be amazing but it's got to get off the ground i hope i hope soon it will i think it will i think it will too and i i hope so too
0: and thanks so much guys for joining the pod tonight this was really fun discussion um Paul where can we follow you and your projects
1: yeah I have very little uh social media presence as of yet but like that may change but like uh if you are interested in Star Trek uh we I have a podcast with some uh fellow people I guess they're humans yeah <laughs> at, at Star Trek so. discovery pod uh, yeah, uh com and or co or something like that uh and just check us out uh Apple, you know, Spotify, YouTube, blah blah blah.
2: And Kevin, what about you? Our podcast is called Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. That's Gray with an E and uh it's named after one of the uh lesser loved episodes of the series. But uh
1: <laughs> um, lesser loved, love it.
2: <laughs> but uh Gray 17, there are uh amazingly eight of us who talk about Babylon five. There's four people who have seen the show and there's four that have not seen the show. So they're watching it for the first time and we are almost done with season four. Um, So we are going to be wrapping our season four and heading into the, the unknown that is season five pretty soon here, but
1: the the TNT era.
2: Yes. The TNT Mm -hmm. era, which uh, means that we are about to do some of the movies too, which should be fun. We've already done third space Right. and right. we're going to be going into, uh, I can't wait for our newbies to see in the beginning because it's going to blow their minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that should be fun, but yeah, for people who have not seen the series, you know, uh, up until, uh, the point that we're at now, it's, uh, it's really fun to see the show through their eyes And to just have us kind of guide or sometimes gaslight them as we go.
1: That's right. (laughs) Nothing is better than gaslighting.
0: (laughs) And Kevin, just as a fan of your podcast, please, please, please
2: do crusade.
0: That'll be so much
2: fun. (laughs) I don't know if I can talk uh, a couple of the newbies or maybe even the first ones into it, but I'll, I'll try. I'll do it if they're willing to. Yeah. If it's just you and like
0: one other person. I'll listen. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, Subscribe and follow Intergalactic on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever. All those sublinks are at intergalacticpod.co. We're on Instagram and threads at intergalacticpod. And you can find me on threads and Insta at Mike Moody Garcia. Thank you for listening.